It has been said that there are two issues one should never bring up at the dinner table. This unwritten rule has the stench of political correctness. And as a Christian, when I hear what's politically correct, I'm ready to run as hard and as fast as possible in the opposite direction. What are the two issues that are seemingly the forbidden issues to discuss? Well, join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It. A podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment. And the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. And this issue may be one of the most important issues that we have ever tackled on this podcast. So, Glenn, what are two issues that you've heard never to raise up at a dinner table? Who made the meal and who's going to wash the dishes after? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, when you eat over my house, um, my wife's making the meal. You're washing the dishes. <laughs> That's why I'm not eating over your house. <laughs> well, uh, you're invited anytime, brother. Thank you. Thank um, you. So I think some people would perhaps say death and taxes. That's Have you right. heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, I, I definitely don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I think we hit some of those issues in, in the past podcast, but another issue that people say, never talk about this at the dinner table because people get all hot under the collar and then un- Uncle Joe starts, you know, raising his voice and grandma starts getting upset and all these people are starting to become unraveled. So one and two would be religion and politics. So we got to stop the podcast right now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Does the Bible address either of those two issues? I, I think it talks about a death a lot, and politics is all over it, I think. Just imagine, Phil, we've uh, we've kind of run the gamut, right? We've talked about church history. We've talked about how to choose a church. We've talked about social justice, race relations. And I think this is probably going to be, if uh, we didn't offend people before, this is going to probably be the most offensive, right? Uh, I, I think that th- this is definitely in the running, and it's definitely very timely because we're coming up to November with the elections, and I'm sure it's going to be a November to remember, to say the least. Yeah, and I think the, 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 the funny thing before we get started is that you would think, as Christians, who we vote for, the topics by which we decide what we vote for would be very vanilla. It'd be a, of course, <laughs> why? Yeah, definitely a Christian would be for that. But you know, I've 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 experienced where you know there is a a big difference in opinions on these things, and I think it's important to have a discussion about this. Yeah, that that vanilla wasn't a white privilege comment, was it? Because you didn't say chocolate. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just so. How should we vote? And what lens are we to look through when we vote? 
And as Christians, we need to look through a biblical lens. So when you hit the ballot box in November, however long it takes to count the ballots, we need to go in and form with a biblical mindset, looking through a biblical lens. And so we don't want to tell you who to vote for. Well, maybe we'd like to, but we're not going to tell you who to vote for. But we want to teach you rather how to vote. Uh, Maybe as a believer, you have no idea how to vote. So if I ask you the question, has anybody taught you how to vote as a Christian? How would you answer that question? Now, obviously, at this point, I can't hear the answer to your question because you're hearing us and we're not hearing your response. But just like Jesus taught the disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter six, he gave them sort of an outline of what they should focus on when they pray. And so what we want to do is sort of come with that same general principle, give you somewhat of an outline of things that we need to consider when we vote and when we think about political issues, because we do live in a world, both of religion and politics. And so we're going to break the cardinal rule. We're going to break the taboo issue. We're going to talk about the two issues which are seemingly forbidden, religion and politics, on this episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. What do you think about that, Glenn Roy? I think a lot about it, obviously, or we wouldn't be doing this. Um, I, I, I think before we even get started, it, what, what would we say to people who are like, well, I don't need to vote, that you know, God's in control, he's sovereign. We've done a podcast on God's sovereignty, and it's kind of like, well, I don't need to vote. You know, Why even vote? When you think about early church history in England, you had the Puritans, and we also had the separatists. And so the Puritans were people that wanted to stay in the church and kind of reform things. Because remember, the state covered and ruled the church. And you had the separatists that kind of pulled away from from the Church of England. And so should, in that sense, our Christians to stay in the fight and make their voice heard, make their vote count? Or should we stay out of the ballot box and say, listen, you know, Jesus said my kingdom's not of this world, so I'm not just going to deal with it at all. So what do we do, Glenn? So, you know, I always think about it this way. And I think this is why people don't want to talk about these two topics. In religion, if you are an atheist, if you don't, if you're agnostic, if you just don't want to talk about God, you're still under the effects of God's wrath. You're still going to face judgment day, whether you want to ignore it or not. Same way politics, the lack of voting is a vote. The lack of voting is a vote. The fact that your vote was not counted is going to go against the person you would have voted for, and it's going to benefit the person who you didn't want to vote for. And so, you know, we're not voting for a pastor in chief, are we? I haven't found one yet. (laughs) And so... Does the Bible speak to politics or does the Bible like leave that alone? Is there anything political that the Bible touches on? I think the most important thing we have to think about is that we are a part of this world, right? John John talks about how, you know, he didn't take us out of the world. He left us in the world. And so we, we're interacting with everyone around us and, and, and we can, inter- you know, it's, it's an interaction. It's not the way that some Christians do it, where we're monks and we live off in a in a, a mountainside by ourselves, contemplating and praying, we're actively amongst the people, right? We're 
actively amongst them. And so, yes, it does talk about how we're supposed to interact with governments, what the role of governments are. And I know we're going to talk about that even more. But one of the things, especially in this country, is the ability to vote, to impact what's going on around us. So the Bible does speak to politics. It does speak about kings, political leaders, civil magistrates. Um, we're not a theocracy, are we, Glenroy? No, no. And, I, and I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not to apply Old Testament case law to the United States or whatever nation you might be living in. Look, I'm not pulling any oxen out of a ditch. Just let you know right now. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's not that if somebody commits adultery, then you go and bring them to the center of town and then you start stoning them and things of that nature. Right, Um, right. Those laws were for Old Testament ethnic Israel. Uh, We are not Old Testament ethnic Israel. But I think that the London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 19, paragraph four, says it best. Though the judicial law has expired, yet as an inspired application of the moral law to the several circumstances of Israel, it reveals many timeless principles of general equity, justice, goodness, and righteousness. As such, it remains relevant not only to modern states, but also to modern churches and Christians. And so by general equity, the confession does not refer to the present and increasingly popular notion of equality of outcome, which is what the social justice whole movement is trying to push. Which 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 is basically saying everyone should be able to get a Lamborghini. Everyone should have a college degree. Everyone should have a house. Right, right. And so to put it roughly, it does not refer to the principle that everyone should end up with the same stuff, which you just gave some examples of. But general equity rather refers to the eternal and immutable principles of justice. And God is a God of justice, is he not? Yes, biblical justice. I want to be clear about that. When we see all the shouting in the streets, no justice, no peace. Uh, I don't know what is meant by justice and what is meant by peace. But I do know the call is not for biblical justice and biblical peace. And that is what we need. We need biblical justice and we need biblical peace. And we're all for that hook, line, and sinker. So there are principles from the Old Testament that we can use currently in our modern context, dealing with religion, dealing with government. So for instance, if we saw someone being abused in the streets, uh, we wouldn't just you know, watch on and take out our cell phone and just make a video of it. Uh, we'd want to help that person because we want to see justice carried out, not just like let something go on. Right, right, right. I, d- I definitely agree about that. And, you know, I, you were talking about church history and we were talking about the history of England. And, you know, we have to thank God that we're we're in a country where we can vote. It's not always been that way. I think the American experiment, as much as people hate it, is the is the first, one of the first countries that allowed us to be able to have a voice in how the government's run. It's usually the very wealthy or the the, the nobility or those born into power or those with the most um, military power. You know, and, and and I think it's just I think it's just important to to just from a biblical sense to apply it, but also from the sense that God has orchestrated it so we are able to have an impact on on what's happening around us. 
Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, even the Puritans, when they left England, they came to America um, in search of prosperity and like the pilgrims for religious freedom and political freedom. And um, so their their views uh, came to bear uh, even in politics. And so now we're here in 2020 and some of their views have impacted what we're dealing with and living with today. And some of the things that they stood for and came here for, uh, many people want to erode these things um, that were very good and godly and helpful to, as you mentioned before, um, when we spoke concerning uh, living a peaceable life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for first Timothy two, one, right. I think for me, that that's, that's the, you know, number one, other than doing whatever God says, the number one thing is I, I want to live a peaceable life. I, I want to live in a country where I can worship freely. You know, think about Daniel where he was praying and there was a law saying he couldn't pray and his life was in his hands for him to just pray to the Lord. I want to be able to pray. I want to be able to go to church. We talked about how, you know, the COVID times, how, we can't go to church. We can't go to the building. We, we're not able to fellowship. We can't give each other a hug. We can't have more than 50 people in the building at the, at the same time. You know, those kind of restrictions are things that can happen outside of COVID, right? Those are the kind of powers the government can have. And, and we can shape, we can help with our vote prevent some of those things. And so, yeah, I think I think living peaceably is a big big, big issue. And that's kind of where I, I want to draw the line on what we would consider um, important and not important, right? What's going to allow us to live peaceably and to spread the gospel to the utmost? Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously the government is not supposed to like p- pick a religion and say everybody's got to follow this. Um, but, you know, we definitely want to have the allowance for freedom of religion and we want to be able to vote our conscience. I mean, everybody should be able to vote their conscience um, and our conscience is guided by the word of God. And so here we are in the United States of America, we have a, uh, an important election upcoming. And of course, in the end, it's not necessarily who sits in the white house uh, is governing the world, but who sits on the throne of grace, uh, who obviously is in charge of the entire universe. So, our focus and, and our trust ultimately is not in the White House or if you're in another country, it's not in the uh, the sheik or the magistrate or wherever you live, whoever the ruler, dictator, leader is. Uh, it should be in Christ and in Christ alone. Yeah, I think I think that's important um, that we focus on that. And I guess I guess right now I, we've kind of dealt with like why it's important. What, what are those issues? Right. I think that's what everyone wants to know. Like what, what, what should I be voting for? You know, is it taxes? Is it, is it the economy? Is it who can use, which bathrooms we can use? Like what, like what is something that's going to make us be able to live peaceably? What, what is going to make us be able to uh, live holy and uh, before the side of God? Yeah. And so I think we should kind of put them in maybe two categories, um, you know, very essential things and maybe non-essential things. But I say that loosely because the non-essential things are still important things. It's not like they don't matter uh, in any way, shape and form. They do matter. And for some people, they, they matter very much. And some of the things that may be considered non-essential per se, uh, some of those things matter to you and I a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of funny, man. I said COVID. We I don't think I've said the word essential so much 
except for these last seven months. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree with that. And I think, and I think essential in the sense that it's directly related to what God has said and what God has commanded us to be in. And, and 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 something that we cannot it's kind of like it's in it's incongruous right it it doesn't go together you know the, the bible talks about uh the sons of belial and the sons of god you know the, the 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 sons of darkness should not have interaction with the sons of god you know the, the you know I, we're going to talk about it but I, i'll jump right into it you know like i just can't imagine a believer who is pro-abortion it's just it doesn't make sense. We're going to get into more details, but it's like, it's that simple. It's like those kind of issues where the Bible is so clear about it that we can't have a personal opinion that counters that. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're going to tackle that issue head on. I think as we look to the upcoming election, we should be thinking, how do I use the general principles of righteousness and equity in context of voting in the upcoming election? Um, how do I pray as a Christian and use the principles that I've learned from Scripture to vote and exercise and apply my responsibility to do so in a way that I feel in my own conscience that glorifies God and edifies the saints uh, more than anything. Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, like I just said a minute ago, I think you know, there's there's just a couple things. It's life or or pro life, uh, gender issues you know sexual identity issues and and law and order i think those those are those are the top three for me now what what about the first one that you had mentioned pro-life uh issues of abortion um as some people would call it women's reproductive rights uh these two things are uh, perhaps on the ballot uh this time in the sense of who you vote for the chief justices that they put in place. So it's a lot of these things get intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, even as of right now, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, has stood before the chief justice of the universe, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and I don't know that it turned out well for her because she stood for many, many things that are diametrically opposed to the gospel. She stood for abortion. She stood for feminism. Um, she stood for homosexuality and all these kinds of things. And so currently even the president wants to uh, replace her with perhaps someone who is affirming of being pro-life. And uh, many people are concerned that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. Uh, listen, I'm good if it's overturned. At the heart of it, without rehashing the whole issue, it's, 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 I think God values life, right? I think on, 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 unless it's for special situations such as defending your home, defending your country, you know, I, I think there are some exceptions made for capital punishment in terms of, you know, a criminal being punished, you know, to the extreme for whatever crimes that he's committed. Other than that, we're supposed to be preserving life at all instances that we possibly can. I, I don't even know what, where the argument could be against that. Yeah, it's so funny because uh, out witnessing the other day at the mall and two young ladies, we were talking about the things of God. I asked them where they think they're going to go when they die. One girl said, I'm going to hell. (laughs) So, you know, I kept witnessing to her, talking about the law of God and talked about lying, stealing, murder. And when we talked about murder, we talked about abortion. And man, did that ruffle her feathers. Her thing was like, you know, it's a woman's right to choose, but 
she did not know where rights come from. <laughs> you know, like what makes something right? <laughs> where does that originate from? What is your standard for right and wrong? And she just kind of kept repeating herself, you know, well, a woman has a right. Well, okay. Well, who gave her that right? Well, a man can't say what a woman could do with her body. Um, actually, I believe it was men who voted in Roe v. Wade. Is that correct? Was there any women who voted on that? I, I think it was all only women. Men didn't vote at all in that. Uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was all men. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it was all it was a, it was a nine <laughs> exactly. There was no women on. The- <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you agree with those men though? Yeah. <laughs> so it's really a contradiction. I mean. Um, a prostitute can't just go and expose herself in a library to a bunch of children and say, listen, my body, my choice. <laughs> now, 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 there is one part of it that, you know, I think it's a tricky subject. And I think why and I and, and like I said, I don't want to attack any believers. Why I think some believers have not made that a primary focus. And, and I really want to know what you think about that. We haven't discussed this before. So I, I'm interested to hear what you say. Because there's Roe v. Wade, and because in some people's minds, abortion is a settled issue, in the sense that it's the law, most people don't vote on that issue because they feel like, well, that politician in my local district, in my local town, or governor of my state is not going to be able to overturn Roe v. Wade. He's not going to be able to stop abortions. So I don't need to vote on that issue. I'll focus on something else that's important to me. Like what, what would you say to that? I would say abortion is a top shelf issue, non-negotiable. Uh, Proverbs six sixteen says, God hates those that shed innocent blood. So if it's, if it's important enough to God, it ought to be important enough for us as Christians um, to bring that issue top shelf into the voting booth. And if we have opportunity Um, to talk to other Christians about it. Certainly we have opportunity because we go to church. Uh, If you're a pastor like myself, uh, a deacon like you are, Glenn, to influence the people toward a biblical worldview on these things, uh, we have freedom of religion. We can say God hates those that shed innocent blood and abortion is shedding innocent blood. Um, That did, I didn't tell somebody who to vote for, but I told them of the issue and what candidates might hold, um, which view a candidate might hold concerning this issue. And, 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 and I think just to add on to what you're saying is, yes, let's say, you know, they, they're not going to overturn it tomorrow, even if they get a justice, even there are some States where they're restricting it, where they're yes. actively going against uh, the, the full term. There are states who are who are allowing full term, like New York, the state we live in, right? That's to me, that's heinous. Then there are certain things where you know re- maybe restricting children to get parental consent. There's so many things that we can do to restrict this wanton murder of babies that yes. it, it's it is an essential issue. Even if Roe v. Wade just gave them the right to, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. There's a myriad of things involved in that in terms of late term, partial, um, minors, consent of minors, um, whether that that um, abortion clinic has to have a doctor present, you know, all, you know, whether there should be a waiting period between, you know, all, all these kind of things can, can can really make a big difference. And I think, you know, 
the so political people always say things like one li- every life matters well you know that vote can can be the difference between a million babies or a hundred thousand babies you know and th- that's kind of one other way to look at it um besides it's just we should be against murder period whether there is a chance to stop it or not yeah yeah and so you know it's interesting because i was i was talking to this young lady the other day um i said okay so um is it it's okay to kill a baby. And she said, yeah, yeah. And she thought you could be able to kill a baby up to a month after the baby's born. Mm. <laughs> now, some uh, people mm. would say that it's not okay to kill a baby after the baby's born. And so then I, it begs the question or raises the question, if you can't kill a baby after the baby's born, then why is it okay to kill that same baby before the baby's born? Woman's All right. you're doing is move. Woman's right. Woman's yeah. right, but it just—I mean, it, it, there's a whole Mack truck you can drive through that because just because slavery was legal, was it just? Woman's right to choose to kill a baby. <laughs> but when we think of laws, we submit to a higher law. We submit to the law of God. So you might be submitting to a lower law, but a law that's violating the law of God. And one day you're not going to stand before a president or a chief justice on the earth, you're going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you really want to do that? Having violated his law and his command. And so I think we need to push it up to a higher law And this in similar, when you have the law of aerodynamics, it renders the law of gravity inoperative, so to speak at that time, um, because you're defying it in one respect when you're, while you're flying. Um, so, well, there's a higher law, and that's the law of God uh, versus the law of man. If the law of man uh, conflicts with the law of God, we always submit to the higher law, which is the law of God. I think that's a good segue to talk about what, what when I was growing up, I didn't even think was an issue. I didn't know that was a political issue, uh, like gender, sexual identity, gay marriage, uh, the new terms of polyamory and all these, you know, all these different words that they make up. I mean, it, it 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 shouldn't be a political issue, but you know, I think it's one of those top things where they are going against the God's ordained order. You know, how can a Christian vote for someone who specifies that they think a man should be able to marry a, a man and a woman should marry a woman? And that, you know, a man could be a woman and a woman could be a man. And a child at five years old can dictate to the parents <laughs> what sex they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, um, as always, we need to just jump back to the garden for a minute because it just seems, you know, isn't it amazing that the first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings, uh, just kind of deals with so much stuff that we're dealing with in 2020. It's almost mm-hmm. like God knew and God set a blueprint. So we say, okay, I'm the architect of these things and man ought not come and try to make uh, his or her own rules. But in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. So there's only two genders. It's crystal clear. There's male and there's female. Either you're, an, you're born XX or XY. Uh, you're not born ABC. <laughs> uh, you don't get to decide your gender. Your gender is decided for you. 
And to go against that is really to go against God. Right. So if someone can just say that they are something, then why can't anybody just say that they're anything? Right. So you're Jamaican. Why can't I say I'm Jamaican? Uh, no one's going to buy that. <laughs> but, but listen, I can self-identify, can't I? Jamaica, Queens. <laughs> Jamaica, Queens, maybe. You know? Uh, no, like I said, it, it, it's it's nonsensical. And, and I feel even silly talking about it. But there are politicians who that's their number one issue. That's their issue. They're going to get that bathroom so that anybody can walk into that bathroom, whether you're 85 years old, 55 years old, or whether you're a three-year-old girl or a three-year-old boy, you go to the same bathroom, you know, and that's their criteria. Now, I think that's a biblical worldview major criteria. You cannot go against the laws that God has set up. That's something that I would vote against. Yeah, I, I absolutely would too. I mean, um, we didn't go to Target for like, I don't know how long because they had this policy that men could use the women's bathroom and and vice versa. And if my daughter was using the restroom and some big dude was going to go in there, I'm sorry, he's not going in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now with my daughter in there, I'm, I don't care, you know, if you say, you know, Bruce Jenner and you say you're a female Jenner, uh, if my daughter's in there, uh, you're not going in there. <laughs> not at the same time. You basically have to live your life and vote with your conscience, knowing that if God's against something, you can't be for it. I, I don't know any other way of saying it. It's, it's just it's just basic stuff. It's it's kind of like pa- uh, Pastor Phil. Like if you adamantly tell me something is a radical, you tell me something is detrimental to me, right? And, you know, I love you and you're you're advising me as as, as someone who, who's an authority over me and I do the complete opposite. <laughs> it, it, does, it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? It's it. What it's saying is I don't respect you. I don't love you. I don't think you have authority over me. I'm going to do what I feel like I want to do. Yeah. It, no, it, absolutely. And so God has the authority over us. And not only did he tell us he made us male and female, but he said concerning marriage, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so there you go. Not only do you have male and female, but you have marriage, right? It was Adam, there was Eve, there was male, there was female. When Jesus returns for his people, he's returning for a bride. He's not returning returning for a groom. And another one is, and I think a big one for me, and I'm sure there's other things, but these are the three big ones for me: is law and order, right? The you 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 I think you usually uh, term that magistrate wielding the sword, right? If you just let chaos break loose, like I mean, look at what we see in many of our cities in the streets. Uh, we see the lack of law and order in many of our cities. Um, I mean, who's comfortable with that? Look, um, Phil, there's peaceful protesting going on. <laughs> yeah. Mostly peaceful. Yeah, they take a piece here, a piece there, <laughs> you know. Uh, they take a piece of a Rolex watch. They take a piece of uh, Louis Vuitton stuff and Tommy Hilfiger, whatever the fancy stuff out there is. Uh, they're taking pieces of everything. Now, I, I don't want to make too light, but there, I, I believe there was a, a, uh, a Chiron graphic where it said mostly peaceful protesting. In the background, 
they're looting and setting the store on fire. Like, right. like it's literally on fire while yes. it's going on. And they're saying mostly peaceful. You know what? I've been to a mostly peaceful beatdown before. That's right. Right? Everybody wasn't fighting, but there was one guy getting beaten up. That's right. <laughs> right? We still call that a fight. We don't call it a mostly peaceful, like, argument. You know, it, it's it's it's, it's kind of comical. But, yes, I think, once again, First Timothy uh, 2.1, you know, we're trying to live peaceably. That means peaceably among men, but also being able to, to protect our family, but also be able to spread the gospel. If there is no law and order, if there's looting, if there's violence, I'm not evangelizing out there. I'm. It's you know what? It's it's just it does. It's not. It doesn't seem wise to me if someone's running around with guns and sticks and bats for me to saying repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm not saying you can't do it, but I don't think it's wise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I teetered on the it's not wise uh, area when we went out with a couple of us um, and we went and preached right on the cusp of uh, a BLM uh, rally and we went out and preached the gospel and someone there tried to actually steal our amplifier (laughs) and said we couldn't we couldn't protest there. You know, but but Um, you had Dan Dan with you. So you are right. Oh, no, he wasn't there at the time. <laughs> oh, you got Pastor Peter with you. He's scrappy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what's funny is that um, this one, the guy who didn't want to allow us to do it, he was a homeless guy. You know, not that I looked down on homeless people, but he was trying to assert that he had some kind of authority uh, over us. And I said, sir, I didn't know he was homeless at the time until later on. I said, sir, you have no authority over us whatsoever. Our authority comes from God and God has commanded us to preach the gospel. And he said, but you can't protest here. So, uh, you know, said, listen, we're, we're Protestants. We've been protesting for a long time (laughs) since 1517. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, so think about it now. We have a, you have a politician, right? Um, whatever party and you know, yeah, it seems, seems like he's solid and pro-life seems like he's solid and pro-life. You know what? He's not talking about bathrooms, right? You think he's 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 on board with with gender issues, but doesn't seem to to care too much about like law and order. He doesn't. You don't. He's not about protecting you. He's allowing the lawlessness to happen. I think that's something where I would that would be a knock. That would be something that makes me say, "Hey, not really sure about him." Like I wouldn't push. I wouldn't let that one go because you have two daughters, uh, Pastor Phil. I have a son that, you know, besides God and the gospel, they're my number one priority. You have a wife. That's your number one priority. And if they're not safe, you 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 don't have the peace of mind to do soul fishing ministries. You don't have the peace of mind to do the podcast, right? We're going to be doing this from a hidden bunker, <laughs> you know, and we, we're going to use uh, fake names. If, if Go to Joe Biden's house. He got a hidden bunker, <laughs> I think, right? <laughs> um, and so, and so, like, you know, once again, there's so many other issues, but I think those are three things that I think we, we should stand order. Law and order being maybe the one that's, that's the, the, the least, crucial but I, but i but i i think it's important i think those are the kind of a trifecta where we're, we're covering our family you know our, our social life you know god's rules um life in general and i think it's the bookends right life at conception and life just as we're living as we're growing up as we're more than a month out of the womb i want to protect life in all those instances yeah yeah and you know it's interesting uh the blm movement the social justice movement is against these things Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, they're, they're, they're against life. They're against uh, or they're for gender equality. 
Um, and I, I didn't realize genders were unequal. You know, well, I, well, they're trying to tack, and many people have been trying to tack uh, this gender equality thing as far as you could say you're a male or female, even if you're the total opposite. Uh, and they're trying to tack that onto civil rights. So gay is the new black in that respect. Um, and it is the new civil rights movement. And I mean, you just can't mix those things because um, obviously you and I didn't choose our skin pigmentation, but uh, I still would have chosen. That. But yes, I, agree. I, I would have chosen that for you, too, man. You look good in black. <laughs> um, yeah. So 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 I guess that jumps over to the, the next point. Right. What are these minor non-essential you know, I was going to say workers and non-essential uh, uh, criteria. And I think one of those things is, and I know this is going to get some people riled up. It's just racial issues. Like, that, like that's that's not a reason, I think, um, unless there's a specific policy and there's a specific charge or something that that politician is specifically going to do that is going to endanger life, endanger you know, the life of the people or is really geared in negatively towards a particular race, right? Once again, we don't believe in race, but you know what I mean, in, in ethnicity. Yeah, there are going to be circumstances. If there's someone who is a is a devout KKK, they're planning to like use their, their position to eradicate every other race. Yeah, I would think that's an issue not to vote for them. But sure. if you, But if you're just generally talking about, you know, racial injustice that's been from the beginning of time till now i just don't know if that's a strong enough reason to forego someone who's pro-life uh against gender issues and sexual identity and all the things that are against what god stands for and is for law and order i just don't know if that's a strong enough reason to it's not an issue that's 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 like a big issue for our day And and i know that's weird to say in this particular time but i think it's more of a um a feeling, a movement, but it's not something that where I personally, as a black man, is terrified of going outside of my house. I, it, I terrified in certain neighborhoods that I of gang violence, but not from the police, not from just being black. And obviously, I don't speak for everybody, but I, I don't think that's an issue. I think that's a minor issue. Not that it's something that you cannot vote based on, but from a biblical perspective, it's a, it's a minor issue. Well, it goes back to how do I use the general principles of righteousness and equity in the context of voting? So is that an issue that deals with equity and righteousness? If the government is coming down on one ethnicity, then that's an issue of righteousness and equity. Right. Um, we we had that at one point uh, in history, and, and that's going on in different nations even right at now as we do this podcast. Um, although I don't hear many people screaming out against uh, other nations as being, no, uh, that's right. As being the wicked Goliath of the world. But I mean, that happens all over. It's happened historically to many nations, uh, as well, um, all throughout their, uh, peppered histories as well. But, um, as we look at these kinds of things for some people, like this is like top notch, you know, um, I mean, if somebody doesn't say, you know, BLM and they don't have their fist up, you know, it's almost like they're racist. Um, yeah, but listen, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to put my fist up for that group because that fist uh, is against God. That is, that is a rebellious fist. 
So every right. time you see that fist, you're looking at a rebellious fist, a fist that is rebellious against God. How do you like those apples, Glenn Roy? I, I, I like them. I like them. I think that's a great, <laughs> great criteria. You know, another thing, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get to some of the silly stuff too, with pop culture. Like, I don't think as a Christian, we should vote for someone because our favorite singer likes him or your favorite <laughs> football player has endorsed him or your favorite actor. Is it? No, that's not a reason. You, I, I, I actually get attacked by my family based on how I vote. And one of the, th- the ways that I try to like get us to stop arguing, you know, to, to get the dinner table calmed down is to say, hey, these are the policies that I'm voting for. Not the person, not how you feel about them, not what the news says, but these are actual policies such as abortion rights, such as gay marriage, such as, you know, whether I feel safe in the community, such as, you know, X, Y, Z issues. That's what I'm voting for. Let's keep the pop culture out of it. I, I don't need to go steady with the the, the politician I'm, I'm, I'm voting for. I need to make sure that he's allowing me First Timothy two one to live peaceably to be able to evangelize peaceably and to to live in the pure righteousness of God as yeah, best as possible. Because some people, you know, would say something like, uh, "And this was only recently." It seems like I, I didn't hear back in the past. You know, are you an Obama supporter, a Bush supporter? But right. today, it's are you a Trump supporter? Are you a Biden supporter? Um, <laughs> Or- Orange man, bad. Yeah. And so, you know, um, but like you said, whoever you vote for, that doesn't mean you're going steady with them, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, we I want to I think that's a trend that's like very dangerous for, for believers because then you're voting for the man. And once again, you start off by saying we're not voting for a pastor in chief. I, that cannot be the criteria. Right now, what I want politicians who have great upstanding you know never got divorced married to one wife not cheating on their wife you know lived in a, a, a christian life um yes i would prefer that is that likely no you know like once again if I, but if i vote i'm gonna have a clear conscience if i'm voting on the issues as presented that i feel best aligned with scripture that's it sure because i'm not voting for a pastor now my pastor I'm holding to a way higher standard than I would a politician. And I think that's where a lot of Christians get sidetracked for, you know, an issue. Once again, I was going to talk about is immigration issues. Okay. Mm. I don't see a biblical mandate one way or the other. There's yeah. there scriptures that deal with it. I, I can understand a believer who says, look, you know, I, I want to do what I can for every immigrant. Okay, we're great. You know, hey, you got that's a godly heart. I know believer uh, believers like myself who say, you know, we got to honor the laws. We need borders. That's a law and order issue to me. And you know, helping everyone is is not teaching them how to fish. Yes, right. That's not necessarily helping. And so, yeah, that to me is a minor issue, not because it's not important from a secular standpoint, but it's not the the overriding criteria by which I would vote. Uh, which I would vote unless I felt like. The immigration issue once again we talked about the degrees how far it goes into law and order and how far it goes into to other things that are that are that are actually uh, gospel minded 
Yeah, because when I've spoken to um, young people about this issue that just want everybody from every nation to just come into the United States of America, I say, um, so when you go to bed tonight, do you lock your doors? I say, well, yeah. I said, why? And they said, so people don't come in who don't belong. <laughs> I said, so you just said it. What? <laughs> um, you know, so the borders are our doors, if you will, into the country. So if you want to come into the country, great. Just come in legally. Uh, come in through the front door. Christians um, are against legal, legally, legally. <laughs> you know, um, even when Jesus used uh, the uh, illustration of uh, if someone comes in uh, any other way by the door, he's a thief and a robber. Um, when he was talking about um, uh, the sheep and protecting uh, protecting his sheep. Um, and so, you know, just kind of using that as an illustration, um, if someone comes in some other way, besides the front door into your country, you got to ask, why are they coming in some other door and not coming into the front door? I mean, listen, we want other people to come into the country just, just legally. I mean, um, I think it's wonderful. We can evangelize the nations of the world. And especially living in New York and in many of our major cities, when people come into the country and they end up in our cities, there's a great opportunity that they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to all the world and reaching the nations with the gospel and making disciples of all nations. And so, I mean, that's just a really great thing. Uh, and yeah, there are situations, you know, what happens, um, you know, with asylum and, and, you know, what if somebody being chased down and, and they're going to be harmed in their country and they make their way to our country and they're seeking asylum. Listen, you can have different opinions and views on these kinds of things. But again, I think we need to look at biblical principles, equity, justice, loving my neighbor, all these kinds of things. And how do you practice those things? How do you live those things out um, as you're thinking about these issues? And um, another issue that I wanted to bring up is free speech. So I want to be able to preach the gospel and I don't want someone to shut me up and not be able to preach the gospel. I'm also for paid speech, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's hard work doing these podcasts. I'm also for paid speech, but yeah, you know, and I think that's the beauty of having a, what do we say? A democratic Republic, a constitutional Republic, a constitutional democratic Republic. You know, it's, it's that we can vote that we can speak our minds. I, I am actually, I know people are, are very, some people are very upset about the fact that we can speak ill of the president, right? Orange man bad. But in a way, I'm happy that half of the country or 40% of the country can, is able to say what they want without fear of being criminalized, you know, arrested or, you know, killed because they're able to speak against the president. Now, I would prefer if they speak well of the president, but at the same time, that's something that I that I, I I'm adamantly supportive of is the, the ability for us to be free to speak. Why? Because being able free to speak will also allow us freedom of religion, right? Because then I can say God is the only God. He is the Almighty, and no one can tell me no. I can't say that. You know right. that that's something that I think is super important as a secondary issue. Um, which I think is of primary importance as well. But uh, even on that note, when someone says things against, you know, the current president, the former president, uh, they have the right to, to speak, but I have the right to speak too. And so 
we have groups of people that they want to speak and tell you to shut your mouth. They can say whatever they want because, you know, the, uh, the toleration street only seems to go in one direction. It doesn't seem to flow the traffic in both ways. And so it's very hypocritical to say, well, you could speak and I can't. So when you say something, you're just right. And when I say something, I'm just foolish. And uh, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. And that's not, you know, what the majority of people think. And I mean, just the audacity of um, how many people think about these kinds of things, that they have the right to do X, Y, and Z. And yet other people do not have the exact same right, even though they live in the same country, under the same constitution, under the same laws, they can do it. And you just can't. I would say economy. That's a preference. Hey, you know, if, okay, you know, climate change. I'm not a big fan of of that. But if that's something that you feel is important to you, that's a preferential thing. Taxes, except for where the church is concerned. Hey, that's a preference. You want to pay more taxes? Oh, you know, raise it raise it 100%. Like, if you want to pay it, you pay it. Um, I think those things are preferential. Once again, we're talking about essential, not essential. We're not saying it's not important. And you know, I wanted to be very careful about what I said about freedom of speech and and immigration. I'm not saying that they're not important issues, but they're not essential to the gospel. They're not an essential biblical issue. And I think we just those are preferential. I think there is a problem with believers where they are where they will say, "Well, you for climate change, so that means you're against God." No, no, no. I think you can have a, a wrong view <laughs> about something without it necessarily being heretical. You know, yeah. from a secular standpoint. And I well, Jesus be very careful about that. Yeah, and Jesus said, uh, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's." When it right. was asked, "Who should we, you know, give our money to?" and they try to trap him between a rock and a hard place. And I love what Jesus does. Right? They say, "Okay, here's the test: either choose A or B." And Jesus says, "I'm going to choose C." Right. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. so he, you know, he he gives us, you know, um, this principle. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God's what is God's. He he didn't tell us how much to give to each. He just said, listen, there's two realms, and you need to give to God what is God's and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And right. so I think that there's a principle there that we can apply um, to the different spheres and the different issues that we're dealing with here um, when it comes to voting. Now, Glenn, let me just throw this and slide this in here. Uh, did you see the debate the other day? Yeah, you mean the the beatdown, the slugfest? Yes, the, the <laughs> shouting match. Yes, yes, I saw it. <laughs> and so, I mean, there was just a lot of uh, ad hominem attacks. Uh, it seemed. Uh, I don't know how much really tackling of issues. I, I thought I was. I thought I was watching a rodeo when I heard clown so much. <laughs> yes, just a, a lot of name calling. You know, uh, when somebody starts calling people names during a formal debate, these ad hominem attacks, I mean, that is just absolutely uncalled for uh, and, and should not be done. It is not presidential. Uh, it is not respectful. It is not loving. It is not equitable. And so, um, man, it, it was something. But, uh, you know, I know that tensions were high. Emotions were high. And in come November, there's going to be you know, only one, one of those two left standing. Um, and who knows what, it might, how it, might, people... it, might, it might go into December if, they, if there's a lot of mailing voting. <laughs> That's right. It might go into December, you know, and, but, but here's the thing. It seems 
you know, like when you looked at the uh, the court case with Breonna Taylor and the outcome wasn't what the people outside protesting wanted to be as the outcome. And so um, it seems that when something is an outcome and somebody doesn't like it, um, even though it's fair and just to them, it's not fair and just, even though it is. And so who knows, you know, what'll take place when these, uh, these votes are counted maybe by December, as you said, yeah, yeah. Of, of what's going to ensue, um, in, you know, in our country. But, so, so, so I, I think it's just best to end with vote your conscience, but now we've given you a criteria as to what that means, not your personal, like feelings about immigration, but what candidate is going to, through their policies, through what they say they're going to do, through their political history, if they had one, that they've already done, how they're going to be most aligned with Scripture. Yes. If if both options are equal, equally bad or equally good, then is when your preferences come in there. Well, they're both for abortion. That's like, I can't even vote for them. Or they're both for whatever. And, you know... Now, economy comes in, immigration comes in, and all these other things come in. So you got to, you have to, you have to get to the point where you feel comfortable that they're going to do the major stuff, and then you can kind of battle out the the the, the non essential stuff. And I think that's that's a rule that's going to work very well. That was excellent. And so, you know, as we wrap up, just just think, we brought up the issue, abortion. Are you okay with voting for someone who says? that they could have killed you when you were in your mother's womb. Mm. Are you good with that? Because God hates those that shed innocent blood. As a Christian, you can't be good with that. God created male and female. Are you good with people saying that they're a different gender than God has designed them as? Mm. There is marriage. Male and female. If there wasn't that, you wouldn't be here right now once again. Are you good with men marrying men, women marrying women, and people saying that they self-identify with whatever they so decide? Are you good with them living and speaking deception when you serve a God of truth? Weigh these things heavily. Are you good with lack of law and order that someone can protest and break into your house and take things and steal things that you've earned break into your house when you want your house as a place of peace and safety as glenn mentioned before we want to live quiet and peaceful lives and we want to worship god we're commanded to worship god the nations are commanded to worship god but when you go against god's law as it has to do with church with religion with politics you're fighting against god you cannot join politicians in fighting against god i like what i believe it was gamaliel said um, concerning uh, the Christians who are preaching the gospel in the book of Acts. He said, you may find yourself fighting against God. 
And so we really have to think of these major issues in that same way. Now, some people might disagree with maybe one of them. Uh, I don't think you can disagree with all three of them, but maybe mm-hmm. maybe one of them perhaps. Um, and if you feel that way, you know, write to us and, and express, you know, biblically, though, uh, why you disagree with that. Don't just come with your personal opinions. Uh, bring biblical uh, truth to what you're saying, and we'll take a look at it. Perhaps some of the other issues, you know, you you wax and wane one way or the other on them. Okay, that's fine. You have the freedom to do that. But just make sure that you apply the principles of righteousness and equity, uh, justice. Apply the very person of God to your vote. Now, as you speak to others, as you're in your church, as you even speak to coworkers and schoolmates and classmates and whatever shipmates are around, don't be afraid to speak what you believe, but just make sure it aligns with the scriptures. Well, you've heard the issues. You've heard the topic. You've heard that we violated bringing up religion and politics at the table. <laughs> And so we've not been struck down by lightning. Uh, The toleration police have not come and beat us down. Maybe because they didn't hear the podcast yet. I've been been ignoring the knocking. uh, (laughs) But nevertheless, um, the Bible speaks about religion and politics. And so we have all the authority to speak on the same two issues. In way of announcements, Soul Fishing Ministries will be hosting the Gospel-Centered Family Virtual Webinar, November 10th through the 13th. That will be two sessions per night from 7 to 7.45 and 8 to 8.45. And we'll be getting out the website and the link for all those to sign up who are so interested. The conference speakers will be Dr. Carlton McLeod, Senior Pastor of Calvary Reformation Church, Scott Brown, Pastor of Hope Baptist Church, and also Director of Sufficiency of Scripture for Church and Family Life. Mark Spence, Senior Vice President of Living Waters, and yours truly, Phil Sessa, Pastor of Grace Baptist Church and Director of Soul Fishing Ministries. So we will have an early bird registration for $15. We will let you know when the cutoff date for that is going to be, and after which the regular price will be $25 for each person. If you are a pastor or a missionary, your price will be free. Glenn's favorite price for everything. Well, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It. 